0: All right, testing one, two, three, testing. Second Samuel chapter twenty-one, please. Second Samuel chapter twenty-one. Now, <laughs> Second Samuel chapter twenty-one. It brings me great joy to see little children who have a passion to hear the word of God, and I hope that they would uh, make. True friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, rather than the lost world. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 21. The Lord uh, grieved my heart. I actually took my wife aside one time and had a serious conversation with her yesterday. And um, I strongly believe that the devil... He's trying to wrap things up, and we see that plainly with the coronavirus, right? And then things are supposedly going back to normal. However, uh, during these times, it looks like Satan doesn't want anything to interfere with his new age that he's bringing in. So he's been attacking Bible-believing pastors and churches that people have looked up to. And he's really getting onto those who have a worldwide presence or online presence. It's either or. Now, uh, I'm not going to say stuff to the onliners, but uh, the people, most of the people in this church know uh, what kind of stuff that I went through. And uh, I actually, I can confess this part, so I went through seven insomnia instances, actually. Uh, Today, I only had one and a half hours of sleep, actually. So... Uh, the devil, what he's trying to attack me, which all of you probably know, is trying to get me on my health, trying to wear me out. So I refused to have him do that. So um, I made some dedications to the Lord that uh, I would make time, and I would force it if I have to, where I would have a break. So I don't know what the meaning of a break is. Okay, so <laughs> I've, uh, I'm learning that. So if I have... A, Some cases where I only have uh, several days of very little sleep, that's going to happen more or less. Now, some of you might not know this, but the beginning years of my ministry, that would happen like three times a week or uh, (laughs) twice a week. Now, this time, I'm trying to make it like once or twice a month, you know, if that were to happen to me with very little sleep. So I know that the devil, uh, what he's trying to do is wear me out because he attacked me viciously uh, through my family through my church, through my ministry. So because I've uh, stood in the gap and my church stood in the gap, then he's been targeting you guys too. And because we stood strong, now he's trying to attack my help. But because I stood strong, you know what he's doing now? He's aiming for other Bible-believing ministries. All right, I hope you onliners and people watching me and some Bible-believing ministers can get encouraged out of this. He's attacking them. Why? Because the truth is marching on. Yes. Amen. And it is spreading. We're seeing souls getting saved. We're seeing people going to Bible-believing churches, people who never heard about dispensationalism before, now know dispensationalism. Amen. And you really know that you got the attention of the devil when you got enemies attacking you. Amen. And they hate Amen. dispensationalism. They hate the King James Bible. And you got the intellectuals getting involved in that one. And now the devil had used the government and powerful elites to try to force it down. You know, uh, Jack Chick and Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, they were definitely the golden age during the heyday of Christian fundamentalism during uh, the 60s to the 90s. When, uh, For some of you who don't know your Christian history, Christian... Churches were falling into apostasy when modernism was on the rise. And then false doctrine was on the rise. The ones who stood out was what were known as Christian fundamentalists. But this is a mislabel that's used from the news media and the higher education schools, and including some dumb Christian scholars of all people and dumb Christian seminaries of all people who deem them to be ignorant and demonic people. And they try to label and equate you as terrorists. The fundamentalists, however, they have fell astray from uh, not standing and studying doctrine. All they could do was stand upon the fundamentals. Hence, the Bible believers came out. And Dr. Uttman rose out of the ashes of fundamentalism that was dying out and falling astray. And then stood and taught right doctrine. And he just ruined too many people's lives because of that. He ruined my life. I can't turn back. Once I know the truth, it's too late. And I've given you guys the truth and it's too late. You can't even leave my church even if you wanted to. So it's too late now. Why? The truth shall make you free. That's what happens. The truth shall make you free. So now uh, Jack Chick, he's became known as the world's most published author. Why? He spread out the gospel too much. And the devil attacked these two men brutally. Uh, They believed in the conspiracies that were going on with the higher power of the elites. They knew the apostasy of Christian churches and fundamentalist churches. And they knew the importance, most important of all, is the King James Bible. The people who got influenced by these two men realized the importance of right doctrine. Because they lived their lives deceived by wrong doctrine. And that's where I came to the scene and tried to do my part. And you know what? As Bible-believing pastors, when Dr. Upman and Jack Chick died and passed away, it seemed like that the Bible-believing preachers and the movement they seemed very lonely and all alone. And I felt alone. I felt like I was the only one. I had the Elijah mentality and think that I was the only one trying to stand for Bible-believing truth and trying to make a difference. But guess what? There are Bible-believing ministers out there who've been longer than I have and been trying to publish tracks and make their own kind of tracks and materials, trying to start out internet channels and radio ministries and trying to spread Bible-believing truth and those who try to hit the enemies and the critics on YouTube and on social media. And I didn't feel so much alone anymore. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. And then coronavirus hit. And then the devil's trying to shut down the churches. Trying to water down the Bible-believing Christian. Trying to get them to turn against each other. But that don't seem to work. There are some, sadly, who fight and bicker and split from each other. But there are, thankfully, the majority of Bible-believing preachers and ministries who stood strong and stood together. Everyone runs their convictions and their ministries differently during the coronavirus situation. So do we. But we all stand... We're all standing and trying to proclaim Bible-believing truth, and we're not letting, we're not letting, no matter how much they restrict our acts, they can never take away our our spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And it doesn't matter how some people may be just uh, overtly heartless and overtly critical, and some of them, sadly, are saved Christians who tried to accuse yours truly and other Bible-believing churches and ministries of compromise when they themselves have not led a soul to Jesus Christ. They themselves uh, wouldn't hesitate to join hands with those who follow wrong doctrine. And they themselves are the ones who already bowed the knee to Baal a long time ago. And they themselves are the ones who have problems with their own spiritual growth and they make a big deal about petty issues about what the government's restricting other Bible-believing Christians on doing. I bet you some of those say Bible-believing Christians that you onliners and some of you uh, heartless Christians who don't have an understanding spirit. I bet some of those saved Christians that you criticize concerning about coronavirus restrictions—they led more to salvation than you did. They read more of the Bible than you did. Prayed to the Lord that more than you did, and are staying away from sin more than you are online. How about that? How about that? You know why they're getting active, and all you're doing is complaining about it. And because you're critical and upset and complaining, you're trying to find other Bible-believing Christians to complain and be criticizing. And some of these people that I thought would amount to something, they end up as nothing. They would end up like growing Amish beards and show off a bookshelf and then just criticize anybody out there. They would try, and some of them would try to pretend to be Bible believers and try to associate themselves with Ruckman and Jack Chick when they themselves are the ones who criticize them and you know who you are. So the devil has got those people. But thankfully, Bible-believing churches and ministries, they've stood because they knew the importance of a local Bible-believing church and function, not just being solo and then trying to be popular on the Internet or something like that, trying to be a social sensation. I say all this because this is going to be an important sermon because the devil is now attacking Bible-believing pastors, and he's not done with me yet, and he's not done with you yet, and he still is. He's trying to demolish it because he knows key people in this church who's trying to flourish ministry. And it's at this time we need to stand and be strong together. Amen. There are some Bible-believing ministries and churches who, whose pastors have been attacked. And some of them don't have a pastor to take care of their services. A lot of them are onliners, too, who don't have a Bible-believing church or a Bible-believing pastor. My sermon is to encourage you today concerning about Christian warfare. Let's go. 2 Samuel chapter 21. You all pray with me, okay, on this one. I don't want the devil to attack this. The Bible says at verse 15, 2 Samuel chapter 21 verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And ish benob which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zuriah, succored him, and smote the Philistine, and killed him. Then the men of David swore unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the life of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle, with the Philistines at Gob, then Sibekai the Hushathite slew Sath, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where, uh, where Elhanan, the son of jeri a Bethlehemite, slew Goliath, oh, excuse me, uh, slew the brother of <laughs> Goliath the Gittite. Some of you will understand that joke, okay? Some of you are going to get that joke. The staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. <clears throat> And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature, that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. And, and he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and fell by the hand of David, period. Fell by the hand of David, and by the hand of his servants. That's you. Amen. And I'm speaking to the Davids, and I'm speaking to the servants here. <clears throat> David, he waxed faint. He couldn't keep pasturing his church, so to speak. Couldn't press on. Why? Because the enemy, he kept fighting every giant out there. He conquered enemies and lands for the Lord. He kept and fighting and fighting. And, and there was a new attack after new attack after a new attack. And it just didn't hit David until finally there was a new attack, a new sword, the Bible words it as, and a new giant. That finally struck down the leader. But that did not stop the church, so to speak. His followers said, we'll take care of that giant for you. David is not known to be as the one who conquered the giants. It was David and his servants. The Bible-believing movement does not depend upon the Bible-believing pastors. It belongs, and it depends upon the people. I speak to you today. Pray with me today. God, my Father, fill within me, Holy Spirit, unction and power. Today is such an important sermon. I pray that people will be encouraged. If there's anybody out there who's under this vicious attack and need encouragement, fill me and use me. God, I'm so weak a vessel and broken. All my words are nothing, Father. You need to fill me in this one, Heavenly Father. You take control. You get the glory, not Gene Kim. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Basically, the question I want to ask you is this What if the pastor no longer involves himself in the ministry? What if the pastor, what if your pastor no longer does things in the ministry? What would you do? That brings to my first point at verse 15. Notice that David and his servants, they were fighting in battle together. And you know what it was? If you read this passage and exclude the last four words, the last four words in verse 15, and just read the entirety of verse 15, if you knew from chapter 20 and 19 and 18 and 17, all the way to 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David did his first fight, against the giant you would think that all the way from then all the way to 2nd Samuel chapter 20 and the first half of verse 15 that it's a typical normal battle that David is going through and he's going to conquer somebody again and the Lord's going to give him the victory again and his people are going to fight along with him Hey, David, let's go. we'll go visitation with you, sir. Hey, David, we're going to go out and preach on the streets with you, sir. Hey, David, we see that giant. We're going to fight together with you, sir. And guess what happened in an everyday battle that happened for year after year after year in a ministry where they thought that, hey, I'll see you tomorrow, pastor, out on the streets to preach and fight together. The pastor waxed faint. The pastor collapsed. The pastor was attacked. The pastor went to the hospital. The pastor says, I can't do any more things in the ministry anymore. Because for health reasons. Because of family reasons. What happened? To David's church, so to speak here. Excuse the wording. I'm just going to call it his church. You'll understand me when I say that. What happened to his church here? What are we going to do? No, they went out and fought. What's my point? When pastor drops dead, I better see one of you guys out on the street and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When pastor lands in the hospital, I better hear one of you say, pastor, I got a testimony. I led someone to salvation. When pastor says I can't come to church Sunday because I have to take care of some business trip or for health reasons or something happens to me, I better see this house full. You know what we need? We need people still fighting and they can't fight just because of a leader here. That's right then who are you looking at? You're not looking at Jesus Christ. All you see is it's Dr. Gene Kim and I'm here because of Dr. Gene Kim and I came to the service to watch him draw and to see Dr. Gene Kim. Where are your eyes at? It should be looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, amen. You shouldn't worry and fear uh, if I'm no longer uh, available in the ministry. Hey, hey, uh, look at 2020. Did you hear the great Rabbi Zacharias fell? The great president in Liberty University fell. Oh, the great Carl Lentz Hillsong Great Church and uh, got Hollywood celebrities saved, fell. Then what did the people do? They fell to chaos. They fell to ruin. Ministries dying out. Ever since the Hiles Church, through uh, Scop's incidents, fell. You know why? They depended upon a man. And not on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, you know, there are p- so many people who just try to pick up dirt. And try to uh, sully this, uh, the lives of Dr. Ruckman and Jack Chick. And there are just too many stuff that just makes me puke and makes me think. How dare you do that with these men? When uh, when you better thank God that no one's digging up the dirt in your life. Your problems. But guess what? Even though they... Uh, paraded around online and say, oh, look what Dr. Ruckman did in Jack Chick and look what they did and they lost their testimony. That don't stop the preachers. That don't stop the missionaries. That don't stop people spreading the gospel through online or planting seeds around the world. No, you don't see them crying on their knees and say, oh, my hero is wrong. You know why? Because there's something that those two men did. They put our eyes on Jesus Christ. And there's something that I'm going to do as your pastor. And you, onliners, better hear this. I better put your eyes on Jesus Christ and not on me. Amen. Yeah. And you know what? It's going to happen. A normal day, a normal church service, a normal soul winning event, a normal day of fellowship. And your pastor's going to wax faint. And what are you going to do about it? You have to think about that. You never thought about that before. Oh, I never thought about that before. You should. You might say, why should I think about it now? Because right now you automatically assume nothing bad's going to happen to you, pastor. So it's going to be normal. Like, uh, I don't have to worry about it now because normally right now I'm in church. Normally right now you're preaching at me. Normally right now we're getting soul saved and I hear other people doing it. So I don't have to get involved. You better get out of that normal routine. You better have your eyes open. Realize that the devil, that he already knows that. And he's waiting for the leader to wax faint. And guess what? The leaders are waxing faint. You don't know it. They don't show it to you. They wax faint. People, if you're attending Bible-believing churches, you don't know how your Bible-believing pastor, missionary, or leader are waxing faint. And the only time they would ever receive a help or a support or a prayer is when the devil publicly shows the attack. Where were you guys a long time ago? Huh? Onlineers, you listening to me? Bible believers in here and around the world watching this, are you listening to me? Where were you a long time ago? By then it will be too late because no one has been trained to take care of the stuff in the... No one has been trained to preach. No one has been trained to teach. No one has been trained to handle the resources. Well, it's because the pastor never taught me. You know why? You could not be faithful to the little ministry. How can he trust you to handle the bigger things in the ministry? He had to do all the work by himself. Amen. God forbid all the burdens now on the pastor's wives, right? And the kids. If the leader falls apart. Do you have a recognition? Verse 16. You have to understand this. Verse 16. Notice that Ishbi Benob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass and weight, he being girded with a... Notice what the Bible says Oh, what? A new sword thought to have slain David. Two big keys here. This is not the same old giant Goliath. It's a new giant. Ishbi Benob. Notice it's not the same old sword of Goliath that David overcome and used it against the giant. It's a new sword. You know, you're so used to seeing Bible-believing leaders win a victory, win a victory, hear a, give a testimony of a soul getting saved, list the fruits, you hear them in the mailing list, you hear their testimonies, you see it online, and then you go, wow, the Lord's mightily using him, the Lord's going to keep using him to slay giants. Man, praise the Lord, the Lord's going to use him. And then God says, nope, and then he humbles. He humbles by putting the stop and letting the devil bring up a new giant, a new attack. Stop it. And you thought that, oh, wow, I thought that Gene Kim would stay on YouTube and lead more souls to salvation. He'd keep pastoring the church. You know what? It does. Uh, man, I can't tell you how many giants and how many swords I crossed, and I fought and fought, but I've waxed faint so many times. So I had to push myself, and that's where my health now hit my limit. And so I had to go through. Uh, I told you seven insomnia moments, etc. I even convinced my. I. I convinced myself to the point where unconsciously, I. Uh, where uh, mentally, I convinced myself I'm not tired. That I'm strong. And it wasn't until my body was whirring like a machine. I couldn't sleep for like. uh, For several days I realized. Okay I think I need to calm down here. Some of you pastors don't realize. That you're working. uh, You're you're slaying a lot of giants. Praise the Lord. But you need help. And some of you people need to realize. That your pastor can't keep slaying the giants. You need to help him. You need to help the pastor's wife need to help the pastor's children Amen. Amen. need to help out you need to get in the battle why because he can't keep clashing the swords brethren your pastor's still doing this your pastor's still doing this and there were some moments those people held his arms and kept waving the sword but guess what the pastor just like david he gets slain almost slain by a new sword Oh, he wouldn't if he stands strong on the Lord. No, the Lord can let it happen. The Lord can let it happen where the minister can no longer serve the Lord anymore by a new attack from the devil. You might say, why would he do that? Because he wants to see other people, how they would react to it. He wants to see his servants who are fighting, how they would react to it. Notice this new sword thought to have slain David. You know what? something important you need to hear? When the devil gives a new attack, it's going to be something that will convince him, the enemy. It convinced the giant here that he killed David with this attack. You know what that means? The new attacks that will attack your truly and other Bible believing leaders, it's an attack that makes you think that your leader got killed. It's an attack where you thought that the ministry is done. It's an attack where you think that the devil has won. Why? Because the devil himself thinks that himself. Otherwise, why would he attack you? He's not going to do an attack that he's not going to think it's going, uh, that can't kill you. He's going to do an attack where he thinks that he knows it's going to kill you. But thank God, there's another uh, thought to think around that. Thought to have slain David. In other words, he didn't. I want to encourage the Bible-believing people out there that, you know, I know there's a new sword and a new giant, and it makes the devil think that he won. And he even because it makes him him think, and he's wiser than you, the devil, since it makes him think that he slayed the Bible-believing leader, slayed the Bible-believing ministry, of course it would make you think that way too. But thank God, it's just a thought. Thank God, it's just an assumption. Thank God that it's just guesswork. The Holy Spirit knew when he wrote down right here at verse 16, he thought to have slain David. He didn't die. You know what? God is on the throne and he knows that, hey, you know, pastor so-and-so, no, you didn't die. Your work is not dead. I have still plans for you. Amen. Verse 17, but Abishai, the son of Zuriah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ right there. Notice that Abishai took on the giant when the giant thought to have slain the leader. And then one of them came up and says, get away from my leader. One of them said, leader, let me help you. Somebody take care of my leader. Get him away from the battlefield. I'll handle it, leader. Let's go! Amen. Yeah. Give me your sword, Pastor. It's about time. I know. I know you're good at this, and I'm not capable of doing this. I'm not as smart as you. I'm not as strong as you. Give it to me one time. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen, brother. Good preaching. We need some. We need some Habishai's. We need some people who can take on the giants and not fear. Why? Because you got the Lord. He's a bigger giant than all these other giants combined. Yeah. Fills heaven and earth. Just a little teardrop from the Lord or just a little sweat drop from the Lord, just a little spit from God would send a, a huge flood and drown out all sorts of giants. You think it's too hard with the Lord? Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt out. Thou quench not the light of Israel. You know what? Verse seventeen shows the importance of helping hands. We need help. Some of these arrogant, so-called Bible believers—they say, "Oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the world's against me, and I'm the only one standing up for the Lord, and I know more Bible than them, and you know, these guys are an island, and they and you know what the They don't even survive the Giants out there. They can't even survive. They don't even have the Giants' attention. You know why? Because Bible believers and church history, you got 2,000 years of evidence of church history, of Bible believers, that a church is wrong not by an individual, but a body, a body, a group of believers. We're in a team together. We have Bible-believing churches in California, those in the West. We have those in the South, those in the North, those in the middle of America. And those spread throughout the world. We got them in the continents of Asia and Africa and Europe. We need these Bible believers to stand in the gap. We need each other. That's why I called it Real Bible Believers. That's why we started our channel, our RBB Connect for you onliners. That's the reason why we try to get you people who watch us online to attend a Bible-believing church. Why? We're in battle together. And we need to fight together. You need to be in a group of people who believe in right doctrine, right practice, and right living. And we need each other. And if you think you can handle the devil yourself, then guess what? You're not going to face it, especially when those giants come out. You need help. You think you're stronger than David, huh? Huh? You think you're greater than the Apostle Paul, huh? You think you're smarter than Moses, huh? Guess what? They needed help too. Pastors, I know it's hard and that was hard for me. You know why? I couldn't, I had a hard time trusting people. I didn't want to overburden them. I didn't want them to feel discouraged if they didn't do their job properly. And sometimes it's more hard work to train them on how to do things in the ministry. And you would rather do it yourself. But guess what? You need to start doing that. I had to start doing it. Now, don't be unwise and just lay out responsibility to people. But you need to get that brain going and, and better think, I can't do this forever. You need to gradually give some things to them. That way, when years pass by, they can do more things for you. <clears throat> I had to do that. Thank God that I'm doing that. Because now it's been so much better. And the church has become stronger. And now that's why we need each other. We need each other to fight. Why uh, Why should you Bible believers and especially the leaders do that? Because of the latter part of verse 17, that thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. You know why? It's because of those same leaders that you're able to have a church finally open up and some kind of work started. It's because of, the, it's because of that minister that the Lord sent, you got saved it's because of that minister the Lord saying, you heard about Bible believing true." that's the light the Lord used but the devil wants to quench that light and you need to protect that light do you value your leader do you value your Bible believing minister you need to protect it you need to protect it you can't have them keep protecting you you need to protect them because you know why they're conquering the giants and they're, uh, they're clashing sword after sword after sword and they need help you know why? Because they can't keep protecting you forever. You need to say, take a break. Amen. Let me Amen. do it for you. Amen. That way, Amen. Th- Pastor, I know you want to fight, and I know you're strong. Alright? Cool off a bit, alright? Go off on a honeymoon or something. You know, you take your time there, okay? Let, let us do something for you, alright? Is everything okay? Oh, don't worry, Pastor. Stop calling us. Relax. Go to sleep. Uh, is, is everything okay? Go to sleep, pastor. Have a good night. Pastor, you, uh, you want to fight? Yeah, I need to keep fighting. Then get a break, pastor, so you can fight tomorrow. Amen. Your pastor may be out for now, but I want those people who are suffering the loss of such Bible-believing leaders, it's good that that leader now can rest. Amen. And you people can try to fight for the leader. Amen. And the leader can learn to let go and wait on the Lord and trust in His promises. Triple. Amen. My uh, Verse 18, verse 18. And it came, notice that, and it came to pass, notice what? After this, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai the Hushathite slew Saph, which was the sons of the giant. You know, the Bible did not say at verse 18 that Sibekai slew the giant, that he conquered, that he won a great victory. It says that after this, that he conquered the giant. What is after this? That statement at verse 17. Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. You know what basically that means? That means, here am I, send me. It's until a soldier realizes that, hey, I can't be the weeping person seeking solace and protection. I need to go out and help my friends my brother and sister in Christ, my pastor who cares for me. I need to pick up a gun. I need to pick up my sword. I need to pick up my shield. I need to pick up my armor. And I need to do something to fight. It's when the person does that, then you can conquer the giant. Hey, think about it. Fast forward, forward. Maybe the rapture happens tomorrow. Bless God. Amen. Ten years later, five years later, I don't know. But let's assume years later, fast forward, you're at the judgment seat of Christ. Pretend this is you. Pretend you are the one who has all five crowns, has gold, silver, precious stones. That God says, here's your list of what you accomplished for me. If you were to fast forward to that timeline, you would go, wow, man, that's awesome if God showed you your future of that and you go man that's awesome and you see yourself weeping crying getting those treasures thanking the Lord and realizing what a great God he is that you were you had the ability you had the strength to conquer all this to complete all this and then if the Lord showed you this scenery and says "Uh, you know that's going to be you and you go man praise the Lord I want to do that and then you know what God says God says you know why you did that you go how Lord and God says. Because you said, here am I. Send me. Because you finally had the guts to come on the altar, get right with the Lord and say, God, I finally surrender. I'll do soul winning. I will pray for the brethren. I will help out the church. I'm going to get involved. I got called to preach. The Lord called me to uh, become a missionary. Because you finally did that. You know what we need? You know, people think the... uh, People overtly think and they say, oh, man, if I surrender to the Lord, then he's going to have me burn at the stake for his name. What are you talking about, man? (laughs) He's he's called me to become a pastor of a church. And what are you talking about, man? Calm down. You know, God just wants God just wants a person that says, here am I. Send me. Lord, I'll do something for you. I don't know what it is. And I'm afraid. Be honest. I'm afraid. But I believe you won't give me a burden greater than I can bear. And I will do it. Amen. And then God says, okay, good. And then you go, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God's like, what you've always done. Just keep doing it. Right? Right? Right. Some of you are like, oh, man, I'm so far behind the people in the church and there's so much I need to do. And I mess up in this sin and that sin. And oh, pastor, I'll never make it. No, that's not what God does. What God does is with time. He hones you. He puts you a little bit in the fire. He gives you blessing. He knows your weaknesses and your limitation. And he's molding you, building you. But he can't start his work. Until you surrender and say, Lord, no more will I have pastor fight my battle for me. I will do it, Lord. Amen. Awesome preaching. 18. We see that happen. So, man, can you picture your future? Picture that future. God promised that future to everyone. He promised you that kind of future of you getting all the rewards. Don't you think he wants you to get every reward? Don't you think he's going to help you try to get every reward? Don't you think he understands your weaknesses and try to help you out? Don't you think he's merciful and Amen. gracious, greater than all your sins? Dude, why not just uh, trust him? Why not say, oh, Lord, no more we will pass or do it. I'll do it. If you look at verse 19, notice that Elhanan slew the giant too. Notice verse 20 and 21, Jonathan slew another giant. Notice people after people finally said they slay giants. Now, if it was David though, it would have been David killing giants why because of verse 16 the giant was confronting David not the other people David would have been the one to claim the victory but thank God that there are some selfish church members who say I'm sick and tired of the pastor accomplishing all this it's about time that I accomplish something hey pastor let me get a giant thank God we have some of those selfish members Now God's never going to use the overtly zealous and the prideful that says, Oh, I can do better than the pastor and and Pastor, why didn't you call me to teach and preach or give a testimony or sing a special, you know? You're not that special, all right? You're not that special. Alright? You only do what God called you to do. That's the point. and what we see over here is second samuel chapter 21 that these men they were able to kill the giants man that's a huge blessing you know san jose bible baptist church it's no longer pastor jean kim leads a soul to salvation pastor jean kim has this testimony to proclaim pastor jean kim accomplished this for the lord thank god now that it's somebody else's name so and so led a soul to salvation so and so his testimony has a testimony on what the Lord has done for him and her. So and so is now singing a special. Remember, brother, back then I sang all the specials. You remember that? God forbid, man! I needed help. Uh, no, no, you, weren't. no, you were. Even if you did, I want to ask you to sing a special. But you see, we uh, thank God now, and now. Do you see what God has blessed with newcomers coming inside the church and seeing, wow, this is a, I never, do you know how many statements I get from people saying, I've never been to a church like this? Do you know how many uh, onliners now not only know Gene Kim, but they now know, you know, oh, I know who you are, you know, Randall, praise the Lord, I know you, that was a great sermon. Tom, you're Tom, aren't you? Hey, brother. And people trying to stalk his phone number and then his social media account, you know, Praise the Lord. And then, you know, somebody says, oh, you know, you're the one that plays the piano. And then they go all the way from, oh, you're the wife of so-and-so. You're the child of so-and-so. Oh, you're the dog and the cat of so-and-so. Oh, you're automatically famous now, you know? Oh, man, you're Brother Sean. Man, you're the one connecting those dots. And man, I went to La La Land, you know? Yeah. But see, that's the, that's what it is. You know what this is? This is the San- fruits of San Jose Bible Baptist Church and not Kim. That's why we can all enjoy a church service. Why? We're all slaying giants. We're all conquering giants together. You may not do as much work as I do. You may not do as much work compared to the brother next to you. But guess what? You are doing some work. And that alone, that alone, alone you coming to church, alone, you trying to uh, talk to people in this church and make them feel welcome. Just you saying that I'm praying for you, brother and sister. Just you offering to help to just clean up the room or set up the chairs or saying, if there's anything I can do, I'd be willing to help to cook the meals. Because of this, it creates San Jose Bible Baptist Church. Because of this, it creates creates real Bible believers. Because of this, it creates a true Bible-believing movement of all churches and pastors and leaders and members contributing their part together. Amen! Amen! uh, I know you're incapable. I know that you're you're a messed up slop, okay? But guess what? I am too. And I had to learn to get over it. And look how God and you need to get over it too you might say why uh, I need to be a great Christian giant like you know like you pastor I'm not like a great Christian giant like you God didn't call giants at verse 19 and 20 he called people to kill giants Amen. verse 19 and 20 look how disabled so to speak look how incapable these men are 18, 19, 20 Look how incapable these men are. They are not going to win. They would be the last person you would think was called to preach. They would be the last person you would think to stay in your church. You thought it would be a different person who would be the most faithful member in the church, but they're the ones who left. You thought that, uh, uh, you know what the Lord used? The incapable, the incompetent, those who keep messing up. You want an encouragement? Look at verse 17. You think Abishai is a great example of a Christian if you know his story? You know Abishai is a pain in the neck. You thought about a guy who messes up in sin? It was Abishai. Abishai is the one where David says, don't do it, and Abishai just does it. <laughs> don't kill the person, and Abishai says, no, let me cough his head. <laughs> He's... He's the annoying person that would talk about the, the deep doctrine that he discovered. He would be the person that would be the loudmouth out in the street corner. He would be the that would annoy people by scaring them with "Amen," you know, like that. He would be the person that would be the biggest loudmouth in the church. Abishai would be the person that would just knock on doors in visitation without your permission. Abishai would be the person that says, hey, we just went out street preaching at a homo parade pastor, you know. Praise the Lord, we passed out your church tracks, you know. Bless God. Hallelujah. They, those are the Abishais, man. Man, what a pain in the neck, man. But guess what? God used the Abishais. God's like, Abishai, shut up. Learn your lesson. Abishai's like, and God's like, all right, man, patience, love, gentleness. It's not time to win a soul yet. I know you know all the doctrines, but just shut up, man. Abishai, calm down, all right? Love the brethren, give grace, understanding, empathy. Didn't not my son do that? Yes. But I can't wait. I can't wait. I need to kill something. I need to kill a giant. And then Pastor says, Can you teach for me Wednesday night? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's those people who are messed up the Lord calls. Sure, I'm not justifying their sins. And their flaws. They have to learn that. Yeah. That was Abishai's problem. Patience over zealousness. Yeah. Peter had that problem, right? And yeah. he had to learn the hard way. Yeah. But you know what? It's those same people the Lord can use mightily. Because they already had a strong passion to begin yeah. with. Yeah. You saw Peter became the leader of the church. Yeah. Not Paul. Yeah. We need the incapable. We need the idiots. We need the people. <laughs> the The complete idiot's guide for christians the uh, i should change my discipleship lesson to the complete idiot beginners discipleship lesson we need these people that's what god wants you know why god wants god loves to use the weak things to confound the wisdom of the mighty and the base thing to overpower the strong you know why he wants something to slay a giant he wants to see that little stone somewhere a little stone Not some kind of sharp sword or, you know, mighty spear and shield. He wants to see that small stone that he's waiting to sling it out. And that's why at, don't be discouraged. Can't God use you? I know you're incompetent. You're weak. And yeah, you're even sinful. But God can use you. And you'll get your name in the, notice these people got their names in the word of God. Sinners, weak people, people who are not competent. God used these people, not the giants. Notice that the giant is negatively used throughout nearly all the time in your Bible. Verse 22 is where I want to close here. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. I'm I thank the Lord for all the fruits and accomplishments that he blessed me with. And I'm sure you Bible-believing leaders, too, where they mention your name and uh, they thank you for all the hard work you did. But if I'm going to be honest, and if you Bible-believing leaders are honest, I'm kind of sick and tired of that. I don't want to don't hear my name anymore. I just want to hear somebody else's name mentioned about winning the soul to salvation about praying hours, about conquering the sin, about slaying the giant, about giving an offering, about doing something for the Lord. We need those names. We need these names. Here's uh, the table. Are you going to fill out your name in this application form? San Jose Bible Baptist Church should not be... The complete fruits of Gene Kim. It should be the complete fruits of all Bible believers. And Bible believing churches around the world. We're in it together. Let's not be a one name person. But contribute our part together. And it can only begin if you would sign up. Every head bow and every eye shut. Who would sign up? Who's going to sign up? Who's going to conquer the giant? With me. I don't want to see my name all the time. Church. I want to see you. I want to see you onliners. That's why we started RBB Connect. That's why we want you to attend a Bible-believing church. And don't be a burden to them. Don't be a problem to the leader. The leaders are waxing faint. Of course, no pastor and no church or ministry is perfect, but that's who God uses, the imperfect people. Just like you. You're imperfect too, aren't you? So don't be overtly critical. Be in it together. Join RBB Connect in our website, realbiblebelievers.com. Go to that website, find the church over there and join a Bible-believing church and get involved. There are onliners who did follow my advice a long time ago and they can tell you the same thing. Please attend a Bible-believing church. Please get involved. It changed my life forever. You know why? It changed mine. It made me what I am today because I was born from a Bible-believing church and movement. I'm so proud from where I came from. The Lord has been too good to me. Let's conquer our giants together, church. I want to make sure every single person is saved in this room, so I'll open up the gospel real quickly because people are praying here, so I think I'm going to give them time to pray. Those of you, I would like to ask you this question. If you were to die right now, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? 100%? You might say, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure. You can know right now. It's so easy. Three easy steps. First step, you're a sinner. God hates sin and he damns sin with hellfire. You might say, well, that's pretty obvious. I know that, Pastor. I don't want to burn in hell. I know sin puts me to hell. Good. But a lot of people don't know that. That's why you need the second step. Second step, Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. You might say, Why would God ever do that for me? You know why? Because only His blood can wash away your sin. You make the mistake of thinking, Let me quit all my sins. Let me be a good Christian. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. But that's not how you get saved. Why else did Jesus die for you then? If you think what you did count. He died so his blood can wash away the sin. That's why his death, burial and resurrection is only the only means of you getting saved. You might go, oh, I see. And that leaves a third step. The third step is because that's the only means of getting saved. You need to tell God, God, I completely rely what you did on the cross to save me. A lot of people mix up faith and works together. You should never do that. Because remember, if you think your works count, why did Jesus even die? When he died, he gave complete, full payment. So many people don't understand that. You need to understand that. That's what truly believing is. Faith alone without works is. It's truly relying only what he did on the cross to save you. The third step is just say it to him. That's you might say, Well, Pastor, I don't say it to God. Can you help me? Sure, I'll give you the words and you can repeat after me. And this is totally private. You don't have to say it out loud, okay? We respect your privacy. You can repeat after me in this way, dear God, I repent as a sinner. I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. So is blood? can wash away my sin. I only trust in that alone to save me, not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you would keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, uh, I just want to make sure, did anyone just repeated those words after me just now? If you could just slip up your hand real briefly, real quick. I'm not going to point out who you are, Every head is bowed and every eye is shut. We're going to respect confidentiality. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. All right, I trust everyone here is saved then. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, my Father, uh, thank you so much for salvation, that we're, we can all go to heaven after we die. I pray if there's anyone here who is lost, who is not sure, that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that the people in our church have been encouraged. They have not been afraid of the giants that they've been encouraged to fight, knowing that they have such a great God, a gentle God, a loving God, a merciful God, and that great, you just want your children to achieve great things. And I pray that we'll stay on the battlefield and that the Bible-believing leaders can learn to rely on fellow brethren, can learn to let go themselves and to trust in you and humble themselves that they're nothing, and then just have other people take up the sword and fight their giants for them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, thank you, everybody.